You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Louis Kornfeld. We have a very special episode today. Today I am lucky enough to speak with the creative team behind Sisters Three. That, of course, is Ilana Fishbein. Hello. Elena Scapettos. Yeah. And Peter McNerney. Wasn't I just here? Yeah, you were. <laughs> thank you all for being here. All right. <clears throat> First, I want to thank you very, very much for being here. You guys have a show in two hours. What is it, like your fourth or fifth iteration of the show at the theater? Fifth? Yeah, that sounds about right. Show yeah. number Fifth. five yeah. in two hours. It's yeah. show number five, and yes, there are slightly different iterations because we keep uh, crafting. Tweaking. Tweaking. Yeah. yeah. Chipping. Thank you for talking. It must be amazingly stressful uh, because there's a lot to remember for the show, so you took time out of your business. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm on record as saying that your show is my favorite show I've ever seen at the Magnet Theater. Uh, and you can continue quoting me on that. Thanks for saying that. Thank yeah. you for creating it. I think that you, there are so many wonderful things about the show, but I don't want to front load this conversation with all those things. I want to start off, if you guys can describe the show to people who haven't seen it, like in a nutshell, how you would explain what Sisters 3 is. Okay, so this is something that we've been working on, but I would say it's a two-person, multi-character comedy about a family that's fast-paced yeah and fun yeah that's basically what i say i say it's a play uh two actors many characters and it's uh focusing around three sisters yeah these are very good descriptions very pithy and succinct (laughs) well it's funny it's it depends who we're talking to as well Mm -hmm. because within the comedy community we just say it's a play and people go what can you do that Mm -hmm. but when i'm talking to theater people uh it's it's more, I, I use different language. It's, it's, well, that's what's so interesting about it is uh, um, it is a play, but it kind of, to me, marries the best of both worlds. It kind of has many of the things that I hope for when I see a play, but it has the energy and spirit and drive of a really awesome improv show. So it's kind of like a perfect improv show that mutated to play form. It's like it crawled out of the primordial ocean of improv <laughs> onto the dry land of a play, but fully equipped with the organs and uh, uh, sensory apparatus of its, of the, its improv it's, background. It's how I'm trying to improvise. Mm. Whenever I do a show, I'm trying to do a show like this and I fail every time. Uh, but it's, it's structure wise and, um, how much we care about what's going on. That's like an ideal show for me. And so at least working on this show is improvising a show over a year uh, with a very similar mindset. And it looks like an improv show, just there's no set, there's no costumes. Um, So the transitions are seamless and we can bend space and time the same way that improv has no limits. So there's a lot of crossover. How did you guys go about developing the show? I'm so, I want to know all all the secrets. How did, how did you create this? Well, we started with nothing, like no concept, nothing, zero. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. The first, um, I'd say the first probably like two or three months were just, just doing scenes and kind of finding, you know, doing scenes being like, we really like this character. Let's, let's go with this and explore this for a really long time and forget, you know, just letting stuff go, doing stuff again. So yeah, it was a wholly organic process, but, um, yeah, I think like Peter, you could probably. 
Yeah, this is so I I wrote and directed five shows with my very good friends from college, John Dixon and Matt Sachs. Those shows were amazing. Saxon Dixon, really, the name of really, shows. really good shows. Even yeah. on, you know, I know the shows were good because I watched a video of one and I still laughed. And like that never happens with anything. Yeah. It's so hard. It, that so the this is a complete uh, like the 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 process that we created through that is exactly what we did here, um, and that started as a sketch sketch show in college of two guys who just came to, who were younger to me came to me like we have a sketch show will you direct it I was like sure great I mean they sort of had half ideas and some things written and I was there uh, we knew each other through improv and so we just filled in the rest on its feet. And then the next year we showed up and it was a like, all right, we have another slot. That went well. We have nothing written. And so it was just a, well, let's just put all the characters in one place and start improvising. It, it, from there, each iteration was way more uh, a play. It was way more building a whole, whereas the first one was like a sketch show. And so that's the process that we started with. And it really was probably at least a few months of just these two improvising together and me giving them really simple prompts, you know, things like uh, names of people from my life. I'm like, your name's this, your name's that, go. Or you guys are on a bus, here's a very simple premise, go. And then I just write down what was interesting about it. Like, oh, that's a funny bit and that's an interesting dynamic. And we, you know, a hundred characters or something, none of which were precious. And the sort of the idea is put, let's get as much stuff out there as possible. And don't, don't think about it all where it's going, just what's interesting. And so after a certain amount of time, we went back and we were like, hey, remember this scene? Yeah, and the things that stuck with us that made us laugh later uh, were the ones that we came back to. And a lot of them we were like, I don't remember what this is at all because it's just a few, th- I just write down like bear people, log <laughs> cabin. I'm like, I don't know what that yeah, is. Why'd we lose the bear people? Yeah, it, we, have, we have characters and ideas that are also... that got really fleshed out that didn't make it into the show at all. Um, We have whole scenes. We have whole... Yeah, and, like, characters evolved in a really, like, interesting way. Like, there's a character now in the show named Nico Gioni that started off as this, like, kid that was... uh, Like Italian? He was, like, like an Italian go-getter kind of guy, and he was, like... He had his business cards. Yeah, he he had business cards, and he was, like, booking playdates with people. Yeah, Um, that was the very first scene we ever improvised together, you or Nick Ogioni. That's wild. And so now he's very different, but... um, Yeah, Yeah, so it it becomes, oh, let's come back to this, improvise the scene as we remember, and then we come back to these scenes, we improvise, improvise, and it's me just writing things down. We come back to it, we improvise it again, and then uh, then it's, I'd say in the beginning, I am much more heavy-handed about, I think we might all describe this very differently. But just the more we do it, we come back and say, okay, here's what this dynamic is. This, This was really interesting between you two. So that's what the scene is about. Let's go back through it again. And then we'll find a pattern. Oh, okay, they're playing this game. So we're going to play this game three times and you're improvising within that. And so every time we do it, it's just tightening it up more, figuring out here's this, here's what they're literally doing in the scene. Here's what the scene is essentially about. And those dynamics just keep getting more solidified. And because we improvise it so many times, there's also then all of these great natural bits and jokes that are built around it. And so then it's, 
we get to the end and just distill it down, it still has that like fresh, alive feel because of all those passes through it that have developed organic jokes and, and tangential details. And then just hanging those on the core structure of those scenes. Mm-hmm. So we spent probably six months building three scenes that were the first act of the show. How long were you improvising before it started kind of, you started to see the form that it could be taking? Six months. Six yeah, months before there was the yeah. first like tangible feel of like, okay, this is what this is about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even then, like in months seven through a lot of sharp left turns still. Yeah. From there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even um, like in, so we did the show, we put the show up in April. So that's months ago now. And we developed the second and third act in that, in like the last three weeks leading up to that show. And then um, when we reapproached the show for, um, for July, we did a lot of honing of what we created. And then even for this run, we're like, ah, this still doesn't make sense. Um, and we, we've just been, you know, polishing this thing. So structure wise, yeah. it was the, the, we spent the most time figuring out the first three scenes. Uh, and then as we were making choices on those, we decided how are these people related? And it became clear. Okay. They're sisters that happened long after we had known these characters and mm-hmm. we decided that people were sisters. And by the end of that first act, we just asked ourselves, is it clear what is at stake for all these people? What do they want? Um, just at their core. And then from there, if that first, like a, like a improv show, if your first beat has characters we understand and can relate to and have personal stakes, they have desires or fears, then anything can be brought together. So then we go into that second act and it's just great. How can we introduce new characters that challenge these people? So the thing they want is harder to attain, like, you know, just throw salt in the wound and literally start bringing these characters together geographically, uh, which leads us to the third act, which really was a week or two at the end. Just I think it was actually a, a week, a week before we first did the show. We threw the third act together, yeah, which is like insane. Yeah, and it's just an improv show. We get to the end, and it's how do you tie this all together? Mm-hmm. Well, all of the answers are somewhere earlier in this piece. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it matters, if it's a loose end, just start connecting, and if you set it up right it's a satisfying ending. I think when we put up our first show, it was shocking how much it mattered. It was still silly and there's still absurdities to it. But in the end it was, Oh, we set it up right. It's amazing to have that experience of doing it like that near perfect improv show and then being able to like, Go back move, and make it more move, perfect. Cl- move closer <laughs> yeah. to, you know, I'm doing perfect in quotes, but, uh, you know, it's like rare that you get that chance. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. This was a grueling process. It was really a long time. Yeah. Not grueling. It was fun. I only cried like twice. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I definitely so made a lot of cry. Just, just, <laughs> God, it, not, a, not for so short a period of time, though. It was. We were both having a real tough week that we, week. You know, we all had a really, there was one really rough week for everyone. And we got through it. And it's, it's fine. True. Here we are. <laughs> How close was this to actually putting the first show up? This was before our third run. Okay. Yeah, this was only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was really interesting because <laughs> the process is so, don't judge your ideas. I cannot sit down and write 
anything. Right. Yeah. Because I get to that, I try to write in final draft form. So every choice, I'm thinking about how it's bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas this process, it's out of my hands. They're improvising, mm-hmm. especially up top. I just have to let them go, and I can't be in control until a bunch of stuff exists. And then once stuff exists, it's like, oh, gosh, look at all the possibilities. So this is so great for me because as soon as just finding talented people to put things out there and like especially in the early part of this process, these two just let me sort of make a lot of choices, which is like, let's go here. Let's try this. Let's try this because nothing's too precious. And so then you suddenly have all of this stuff. And then the where we are now, like before things our, are precious now mm-hmm. oh, and we're yeah. doing like really minute line tweaks and it's just like so much to keep in our brains it's that it's it's i only cry because i'm overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and again it was so short and people that know me know i cry like much much more dramatic (laughs) we made it over a year without a lot of crying yeah it's just um yeah like sometimes leading it's gotten to a point where now like the show is really in our bodies but um, I still, our last show, I missed two very important <laughs> details and I, it's still, yeah, but you guys so didn't much. miss them. We remembered them in the first two shows. I skipped whole scenes. <laughs> it's so much, <laughs> it's so much stuff and it's just the two of us and it all happens so fast. And I, it's, it's interesting as an as someone that's done theater and improv going into this because it's, you go in with that mindset of, Oh, I'm acting. This is a play, but there's also that spirit of, of improv, of leaning into comedy that keeps things light and doesn't let you, like you don't want to live in things. Like your Peter always talks about, like don't you know go too too deep in it. Don't make it too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different experience to to feel like you're doing a play, doing this material, this kind of juggernaut of a show, and still keep that lightness and that spontaneity of of yeah. comedy too. Yeah. yeah, a really interesting thing happened, which is after our second run, we went back and really thought about these sort of internal conflicts of all these characters, their journeys. How does the show serve that? And like, how does it pay it off at the right points? So we really got into sort of playwriting technique, which we don't do early on because the show existed. We could really get fine tuned about it. So we had this great period of, Oh, we really have to answer every question. Why is everyone doing everything they're doing? And for the most part, it was all there. But there were a few key things that we realized we were just letting exist and we hadn't made choices about. Uh, and so then we got into it and like made these choices. And then, then it got a little too heavy for a, a week where it, it, was, it was just like what you're talking about, where suddenly we were trying to prove to the audience how important this was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was performing the weight of it. Um, and we realized, like, oh, the show succeeds because uh, we're not trying to prove anything to you. People are just going through things they're going through. And we were really surprised by how emotionally people react to the show. Well, there there are a couple of times uh, in the show where there's an emotional gear shift um, that's very surprising and very welcome. Uh, because So this is like, there's a bunch of stuff that's so wonderful about this, but this might be my favorite thing about the show is... It captures everything that's fun about an improv show, but it doesn't overstay its welcome the way that an improv show does. There's a point, about 45 minutes in an improv show, where I start to feel like I want to stop eating this ice cream. You know, like it's (laughs) 
it's like really great, but like I'm getting to my saturation point and you start to kind of feel like I need some like healthier food in here. And that's kind of how your show feels is it has all of that sweetness and lightness that you want from a good improv show and all of that movement, all of that fun. It's very electric, but, but when these surprises start to happen and it gets emotional, it gets a little bit deep. It strikes just that perfect balance to keep you so alert and so curious about how this is going to resolve and how this kind of retroactively deepens your appreciation of all the characters that we've seen. So you kind of find that like an hour into the show, you're even more alert than you were at the beginning to see how it's all going to pay off while still feeling the high of a really wonderful improv performance. So I think that that's really interesting because you guys, you do find a depth to it without it being that like self-important, self-congratulatory take us serious because this is really theater kind of thing, which might be my favorite part about the show. It's moving to watch without feeling like um, I'm paying my emotion tax. You know what I mean? Sometimes you see plays where like, that's how I feel is like, all right, in order to be entertained now, I have to kind of like pay my goddamn emotion tax. You know, I got to feel these feelings. I don't want to be feeling and I'm slightly pissed off at you for making me yeah, do that. Yeah, I feel like, um, like I've been watching shows, plays, theater, over the last, like, year that I've, you know, that we've been doing this, and I see more now when shows are being manipulative Mm -hmm. or, like, manipulating my emotions, and I feel really angry Mm -hmm. about it. I'm like, this is lazy. (laughs) Um, uh, I think it's, I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say about that. I I, I guess the the older I get... Pretentious way to start any sentence, but he's so old. I'm oh, God. so old. Peter is very old. Lewis is older than me. I am, but Peter's visibly aging before our eyes. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, I I have found that I I really have less and less patience for just sort of disposable comedy, mm-hmm. uh, just short things. And this is uh, you know, sketch is great, but in terms of things I want to invest in that sort of short shelf life comedy. Uh, like I, I don't do well on Twitter because I think of a great joke and that, you know, that's a single moment and then it's gone. That's like an extreme example of, of I, I can't, I don't well, I just have so little tolerance for shows that don't make me care about the people in them. And on the other side of it is, I also can't stand the show that is trying to prove to me so hard that these characters matter. Mm-hmm. So just that sweet spot of like, just show me people that seem like people, and then put your comedy on top of it, and I am on board. Well, just to, just to bring it back to improv for a second, you know, so like we, all of us in this room are teachers or coaches, you know, so, of improv. And um, I feel like, I spend so much time in my classes and working with people um, to bring them back from overstating the situation mm-hmm. or being like overly clear, like, hey, son, get in here. I'm a podiatrist, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, and I, I find that also in a lot of p- plays and scripts, things are overstated. Mm-hmm. And I think like what I'm really interested in in improv and, you know, all art is like, being really subtle and using tone and context and behavior to indicate relationships and situations. And I hope that uh, that's what we're capturing with this play. 
you know, uh, that we don't need to spell out to everyone who everyone is because it becomes clear through the action. Well, that's the other thing that I really loved about it is the way that you guys just kind of drop us off in the middle of it. Like there's a little bit of time as you're like beginning to learn the rules of how this particular, the audience has to learn the language of this show. So even the very first jump that you guys do to the kid on the phone and then back to the two, uh, to the two women in the, in the hospital or in the waiting room, even that first jump is kind of disorienting for a second or two until you kind of realize the rules, you know, you kind of like get the grammar of it. So it's, probably like six or seven minutes before it kind of like clicks in your brain how this is all operating and what's happening and as the show the longer it goes on the deeper the characters get and the more all of the things come together until you realize the shape that the play is it's like i love that because it's like this really exciting it's like putting together pieces of a puzzle as an audience member for the first few minutes i fucking love puzzles (laughs) it cannot be overstated like i it's true i appreciate that like and not not just jigsaw puzzles all puzzles i like problem solving like I think it's interesting and as an audience member you don't want the performers to you know put all of the pieces in for you spell everything out and then play it's like no you want to be treated as an intelligent person it's not called there's Waldo (laughs) yeah there you go there you go that is is a joke from a Saxon Dixon show that's well they're great so I I can understand it I I did I I wrote that joke (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Although, if go. you ask this me, if you ask, if you ask me, I will have remembered writing every single thing in the show, <laughs> and um, I can't back it up with facts. But I think my brain—it's so collaborative. Like we really, are, it is so fluid. If they're working, and then I can just throw things in, say this, or go back and try that. That, and there's no question about who is throwing what out. Especially in the first half of this process, there's so much of like, okay, let's try it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We don't have to commit to anything that my brain, like my brain remembers it all as things that were happening in my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a problem I have in real life, right? <laughs> but it's e- even, even more so in this where it is the, like, I, I'm there with you. And because I'm allowed to interject wherever, uh, it all, it's all connected. Well, it's so collaborative too. I mean, there are even characters that Alana and I wound up swapping where, you mm-hmm. know, you would be playing some originally I was Cynthia and then that wound up swapping. So it's, it's just such, that. yeah, there's, it's just so much, you know? Yeah. What would have prompted that swap? Where would you guys make that decision? Well, characters evolve in the way that the, the pieces fit together in terms of like character necessities and who pairs with who, uh, you know, things just evolve. I think that just- was like that was one of the looser scenes, but Alana was playing two of the three sisters. Mm-hmm. I think we we switched one, but that because that scene was also we hadn't really nailed down. Well, that also I don't think I'm giving anything away, but like right in the middle of the show, there's a sequence where all the family is at the dinner table. That's one of the highlights of the show, and and you guys managed to achieve a really cinematic quality with that. It really creates the effect of cutting around the room and seeing everybody. Um, and it's, it's, it is precise and dynamic and amazing and hilarious. And it's like overwhelming how well executed it is to create this impression of seeing a hundred cuts of, over the course of this time. But that was the thing that occurred to me. I was like, you guys, the first time I saw the show, I thought you guys must've hit the point where you were putting this into the show and then 
have to backtrack and work out every single kink of what character you're playing to get it exactly right. That must have been the most frustrating thing in the universe. That scene, I remember being really easy. Uh. Um, not, not, <laughs> not for you guys. <laughs> But for me, and that was the most, that was the most, up to that point, it was much more open. That was much more like, do this, me being very much a dictator, and like, do this, do this, do this, do this. Because it was just the first time we bring all the characters together. So then it's it's just, here's that, here's your straight up deal, and how are these people going to react to it? I remember it was easy easy pairing people, like who's going to be fun to sit with each other. Yeah, we created like a, we mapped out the dinner table. I remember that. Like, Do you remember when we would, we would run drills and be like, who's across from you? Yeah. 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 So the eye, the eye line was right. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it's, they're not moving. It seems like the most is happening and they're just sitting and their spine just changes to another character. That's how I like it. So it's probably, I love sitting <laughs> in comedy. It's probably the least exhausting compared to the ones where you're up on your feet. And yeah. You have to cut between those. It's also like one of the most like thrilling parts of the show is because in the mind of the audience, you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing the stage picture really, really clearly, but it's all suggested by like, you suddenly have a cup in your hand or your, your spine is suddenly straighter. It's like the smallest movement or the smallest detail that makes that cut happen. Yeah. The key to that is what is the, the sharpest, simplest path of least resistance and we just, Alana and I just got back from doing light design for the show. And it was an extension of that. I was mostly reading articles on Facebook. Yeah. It's but a, I stood it's on a tech stage rehearsal. Sometimes. It's real boring. Uh, if you come tonight to the show, you will see some very untested light design. Which will be Ooh. extremely impossible because this will have been recorded two weeks before uh, you're <laughs> no, listening I, to I it. I challenge everyone to be there tonight. Yeah. Well, if two weeks, we have another show, so it might be perfect. Good, yeah. good point. So how, when you were putting this layer of polish onto the show then, how did you go about, like, were you giving each character their identifiable specific prop or tick or mannerism? Like, at, at, what was the polish process like? It's more like like going into um, individual scenes or scenelets and um, examining those moments and clarifying those moments and clarifying lines. I think that you know the, the characters evolved in such a way that we we really knew who they were and we were really able to embody them. Yeah, that it, was never an issue. Yeah, we we're both very physical performers. Character, yeah, performance. I, yeah. I always felt like the physical bodies of the character was there, but the polishing was very much like, you know, you improvise a scene and you wind up putting in ten lines where two will work, and then you do it so much like that that you don't realize, oh, we can do this in two lines and move on and not have to yeah. let people yeah. think too much about it. Well, the last big step was going back through every character and going, okay, first scene, Deb and Rhonda, sort of what what's the internal stakes. For Deb, but you know, but but an- answering we didn't those have that conversation, like right. that, just lives. Right. Well, but you thought about it. Well, so many of them were there. It was for me. We need to make a bunch of hard cuts. So going to the answering the question, what's at stake for Deb? You know, and, and her thing is stability. Like she, she's trying to keep everybody happy and balanced. And you go through every character, and we answer that question. Then going through the show in the second act, how does this scene challenge those internal stakes for each of the characters? Or how does it make it worse or like, you know, raise the stakes? 
And then in the end, how does this pay off the promise of that thing? Uh, and so then when we go back through and we find these really funny sections, we say, does this serve any of those functions? And if the answer is no, then we say, maybe we should cut this. And then we argue because, no, we like the joke. Yeah, we, there are a lot of jokes so that, hard. that went away, which yeah. we love. But what's, what makes it you know, easier sometimes is that because these, these, we develop these characters, they can live in any situation. They're like infinitely alive. Um, so, you know, if, if you want us to improvise in them, we'll do it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, they, they have a really full spectrum. Well, I'm curious, are there like traces, because you did so much improv in these characters and kind of let them like live through you and develop over a year, are there traces of scenes that are now long gone that are still kind of like oh, they're animating full the scenes. characters for you? Yeah. The first scene that is uh, Deb and Rhonda, the moms, with Nick Ogioni, used to be Deb saying goodbye to Nick as he gets on the bus for new school. And he goes, time to make friends. Don't but, don't give away the best character. Maybe we'll use him someday. Oh, yeah. Michel- Michelob Ultra? No, no. Vlad. <laughs> oh, <on>. Vlad, sorry. <laughs> there was a boy named Michelob Ultra. Um, no, no, that was his catchphrase. Uh, it was just Nick going down the bus, sitting with new people, trying to make friends, and then they all went poorly. Mm-hmm. And then the the second act, we were all going to go to Julius's dance recital, and the whole uh, family showed up, and we had yeah. these wit these two old lady ticket takers. <laughs> we had two dance instructors. Uh, there was more like a felt like a improv group game, and then we had One everyone day- showing up at the stand, and then we got to the point. I don't remember why, but we cut the entire second act and we cut that whole first scene in the first act. Yeah, the bus. And then went to Deb and Rhonda in the in the ER and rewrote that whole thing and then completely redid the second act. I think we had that. even talked about before we ever did that scene of them in the hospital of like we want a scene of Deb and Rhonda explaining how they how Nick was born. No, we I remember that's when we decided that the show was about three sisters. Yeah. And then we realized, well, why is this first scene about Nick? And yeah. so we changed mm-hmm. it to be about Deb. Yeah. Uh, and then we realized how interesting those three women were if they had grown up together. And then that completely informed a new second act. Yeah. Uh, so you have like, it's interesting. That there's almost like a geology to these characters. It's almost like the best of both worlds in terms of like public live on the spot improvisation and like private acting studio improvisation that is about giving like an enriched backstory to characters and having having kind of emotional depth for yourself, yeah. having memories for yourself as these people that gives them this quality of three dimensions. Um, uh, I want to go back for a second to the beginning of it. How much time did you give yourselves to freely improvise before there was a deadline where you knew that you had, had to have something showable? Well, first of all, we had a deadline because Peter's wife is going to have another baby. Great deadline. And we yeah. needed to do the show before to finish it. that we, baby yeah. came out. So that was nine months? Yeah. Well, we started this in July. Like, yeah, June, June Ju- yeah, June, oh, July, June. This show has existed as about as long as my daughter have yeah. has from, like, conception. So as soon as there was, like, a, like a looming due date... Mm-hmm. We were like, well, we got to squeak we it in. just make decisions. Before, yeah. before that, there's the thing we said is no deadline. We just got together two to four hours a week, and half of it was us chit-chatting and gabbing. Once a week, twice a week? Uh, twice a one, week. Once or twice a week. Yeah. Um, 
And then it really just was the, because there was no deadline, we could just play. Maven made this play happen. Yeah. It's true. And Beth. Yes. Mostly Beth. Yeah. Thank I you, was, Beth. Thank you, I was Beth. also involved. Thank you, Beth. Yeah. Thank you, Beth. Very minimally. Beth, thank you. Beth, thank Way you. Way to go, Beth. Uh, but yeah, but then it just became the fun of each day coming in. Like some of those scenes, like Cynthia, who I love characters who the big exciting plot point has already happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Cynthia, which I won't give away the show, but started as a very different scene, which I still would love to explore, but it changed. The original one was Alana as a teenage girl in high school and Elena as her teacher. And before the scene, they had spent spring break trapped in an elevator together and everyone had left the school for spring break and they were stuck there the whole time. And so over a week, they thought they might starve to death and they got like really close, like genuinely intimate, not in a sexual way, just like in a like, we're going to die, we're getting close. And then the scene that we improvised, and this was a scene where I I gave them this whole premise. And then the scene was improvised was the first day back from school where she dismisses the class and Alana stays afterwards. And Elena, as the teacher, tries to pretend like they're going to go back to the relationship of teacher-student. And Alana just being like, really? Really? <laughs> You're going to act like nothing happened? <laughs> and then uh, in, my, in my mind, like Alana is going to decide that she's in love with this teacher because of this intense thing that happened. Um, but also, just to peel back, there was another scene with Cynthia that was Cynthia on a plane mm-hmm. with uh, a man named Jet, mm-hmm. who oh, yeah. we, we've, we've taken the name Jet, but the character is different. different. Yeah. And, um, she I was, was an older woman. An older woman, like a middle, middle, you know, in her 40s or whatever. Older than him. And Jet was a, a like young 22 cool years guy. old, yeah. And I was like, uh, like uh, oh, well, uh, where, where are you flying? No, I'm just uh, heading to Austin to see my friend. And then you said he's starting yeah, he's, to tap uh, Yeah, he's, uh, he does tap dance. I got to go make fun of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't thought about that, that joke in that. a year. Um, it was a real sexy scene. Like, it, it was like the best improvised flirting I've ever seen. Yeah, it was nice. So, I, I mean, I always think about we're kind of like marrying those two ideas and then um, tweaking Cynthia even further. But um, uh, How... Were there any like intractable problems that had like an interesting solution? I guess like I'm asking, was there like a scene that like didn't work until you decided to take it out of the Burger King and put it in the in the <laughs> bus? You station? know, it's really funny that you say that. I have this nightmare that oh boy. <laughs> we just like start improvising and go so off script that we end up doing a scene in a restaurant, mm-hmm. and we've like we totally like lose track of where Which we are will be in the fine. show. If it happens, that's fine. It's a nightmare that I have. <laughs> okay, but to answer your question. Um, I feel like Nick ended up in more places than any other character. Uh, he was on the bus. He was doing other things. I, I th- yeah, I think cutting that bus scene was a big was like a big decision because we had put so much work into that. You know, that yeah. was fully memorized. The characters were fully thought of. And felt, it, we just cut it. It felt good to move on, though. Yeah. Yeah. The after our first run, we changed the ending pretty dramatically. We cut the whole there's an extra scene at the end that we cut. We merged uh characters and we wrote the greatest ending of all time. <laughs> it's We'll see. So great. <laughs> Please come on out it's tonight. So stupid. All right. It's so Stop it. Just don't say anything stupid. else. Turn this podcast off. Go straight to the magnet tonight. <laughs> I don't care where you are, what time. Just it go. Is. Run, we'll go. be performing Run. it in the bathroom. So 
Um, so not to continue piling compliments on to this, but to me, uh, this is kind of like, this production is so exciting because it kind of fulfills everything that I think of as like the promise of improvisational theater of like improvisers learn these like amazing skills and useful things and then kind of never really get around to applying them. We have a tendency to either get stuck and I'm I'm saying this in a way like I'm denigrating it. I'm really not, but like we have a tendency to just kind of keep on improvising or translate everything into a very sketch format neither of which are bad things but to see the extra amount of work and commitment that the three of you put into really pulling this off it's exciting to know that there are people who are giving themselves a year to a year and total freedom to really work to get it right and kind of organically create this wonderful thing so now having invested a year of your lives into into getting this as perfect as you can what's the next step this is a much more professional product than most anything people are creating. So what are you going to do with it? Take me through the boring world of getting your show produced. Or maybe it's an exciting world. I don't know. Yeah, well, right now we're just inviting people from all in entertainment industries to come see it. Like we've had, we had some big theater producers come to it and uh, we've got some good press and it's a weird, it's a hard thing to sell. Like one of the, we had a Broadway producer who was, who saw it and was like, oh, that was really funny. It was a little, little too sketch comedy for my taste, which if you think, I'm like, what? And I realized, oh, there's, it's pretty absurd if you compare it to a play. Mm. Uh, but to improvisers, it's, it's a dramatically different, you know, it, 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 it's a hybrid. It, it doesn't, it, it like, it doesn't exactly live in either world. It kind of has its own particular niche and there isn't like exactly I, the environment yeah. for it yet. I, I, I would like to um, keep keep the, the mode of performance in the script and start to think about giving it that more theatrical look. Like even working on this lighting design that may yeah. or may not succeed <laughs> is kind of a step in that direction. So polishing it towards theater I think is... And a lot of the polishing we've done just with the script yeah. of clearing things up and making sure we're examining every character and knowing the stakes has really been kind of a, th- a more theatrical push and being like, let's make this a, a play that's satisfying, that's hitting all those notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, we also, you know, like in terms of like product, like putting it on and stuff, um, we're, we're hoping to bring it around to, to a few cities and, um, we're going to Norway. Maybe. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, we're going. We're going. <laughs> um, we, uh, we're, yeah, we're hoping to do like a, a little short European tour, European tour. This show will be in, used in Norway. If any Norwegians are listening to this, <laughs> you will having seen a little things bit of Norwegian. It makes me nervous. Improv, things have not been nailed it. down. In- <laughs> I, I listened to this show the other day thinking about a European audience. And I was like, is anything that won't play? And the only thing that I could think of was maybe the movie American Sniper. Uh, so that one joke so you take claim of, yeah. you're afraid won't work. Okay. I'm not taking claim for that. Oh, no, I am taking claim for that. That's my That's joke. That's your favorite Never joke. <laughs> That's my favorite joke. But point being, the I don't think it's, it's, I think it does translate. If you can understand English, yeah. like you can understand this show. Well, I think because, it's not only a physically very funny show, but it's also a physically very clear show. You physicalize every character's wants and 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 basic 
core so well that I think if you give yourself the opening 10 minutes to let it come together and figure it out, it's a very easy thing to follow. It's very, it's verbally quick though. Yes, yeah. it is. I remember uh, Alana's friend, was it Ryan? Yes. His name came to see uh, our last show and he was Ryan Huben. Shout out. Yeah. Ryan, very, you're very handsome. Um, he came Don't to see the show. Him, it'll go. Oh, I take it back. Too. I take it back. Um, he, yeah, we were speaking about it after, and he was talking about how he was watching it, and he kept thinking, "What do I need to be paying attention to? Like something's going to happen. Like just trying to take in that first scene, thinking thinking that something was going to happen where we were not going to try to trick him, but like we're going to throw something in, and they so you really better have remember to pay, everything. Yeah, hyper attention to it. And I, I guess I had never thought of it that way, or thought that that's how the, the how show takes care. It. Of it takes care of its audience yeah. but also doesn't in no way coddles it you got to trust it for the first 10 minutes you got it and there is that little bit of a scary thing of like oh shit am i supposed to remember everything until you realize no it is very nicely uh working its way back around so that you do figure all this stuff out but there's an element of trust my favorite thing about the show talking to ryan was great after we all had drinks with them um, but i like to ask everybody right after the show who's your favorite character without thinking about it. And everyone says somebody different. Yeah. And uh, that's my favorite thing of this whole process is people relate to different characters because of who they are, um, which is how a good show should be. Would you guys do this again for another show? Like, or have you created a, a, a method of working together that, that is like a renewable way of working? Just, just to be perfectly clear, like, I would say we did not create this. I would say Saxon Dixon created this mm-hmm. with Peter. Yeah. Like so much credit needs to be given towards those guys. They're amazing. Um, yeah. The process exists like this. This was, we didn't, we really didn't add anything to the process. Um, is a very simple, in some ways a very simple uh, roadmap, but then obviously the content is completely unique with whoever, whoever you're working with. Right. And so when we got to the end, I remember before the show went up thinking, oh, you know, this will be interesting. Let's put the show up. I think it'll be pretty good. I wish there were more jokes. And then, <laughs> then we did the performance and I was, oh my God. The, it was just because I'd done the same thing with, with different people. I had very specific specific expectations about it. And well, what I loved about this was Alana and Elena. Yes. Which it's is, impossible to imagine anybody else playing any of these roles. It's yeah, entirely it's your them. own. It's, it's entirely your own, your own thing. Yeah. So, but to answer that question, like, well, now what, you know, and, and anybody can do this, you know, and what we are doing next, no idea. We're still playing with this show. I think in six months from now, I could see us starting a new project, but I think it depends on where we are in our lives. I'm also interested in figuring out how to use this process to create a script that can be shot for some TV film type type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we have a script. We have a really specific script, but we were thinking about the stage while we were producing it the whole time. So personally, I'm really interested in to see how you can use this process to create a different through a different medium. Right. There's something, it's almost like how Mike Lee works in, in England on his movies, mm-hmm. but he kind of does it all by himself. He, he kind of hands out roles to people and lets them live in it for a while. And he kind of orchestrates them all coming together. They are not really in on how the pieces 
flow until they see the finished product. Yeah. Whereas this to me, so to me, the drawback of this is it takes a year and a commitment to have six months before you realize what it is that you're doing. But to me, in my like utopian daydreams of like what like improv theater is supposed to be, to me, it's like the future is companies that evolve this process and are just constantly churning out these incredibly unique, incredibly organic plays that keep all the best elements that we love about improv, but are able to create something with a voice and a sensibility and a depth that's a little bit more meaningful and a little bit more kind of directly relevant and smart and speaks to like speaks to our lives right now. But what's so nice about this process is it is totally different depending on who you are. You know, uh, uh, take any three people at the theater and have them spend a year doing this exact same thing and you would get a wildly different performance, which is so great. Hopefully if you take us and do it again, you'd get a, a what? wildly yeah, something different, really different yeah. performance. Yeah, It's really yeah. interesting because I have wanted to be in one of these shows for yeah. 15 years. Yeah. But you can't, you can't, you can't be in it and also have the role that I have. Right. And the reason why it works so well is just I trust them to make a million choices and they trust me to have perspective, to know how what's reading. And so I'm going to put it on a different course and they just start going down that path. Once we get near the end of the process, it'd be like why we're doing things becomes much more collaborative. But just up top that like, I'll trust you to do what you do. You trust me to do what I do. And then we... Are, we're smarter together and we're not fighting each other. And then we produce just all this content and then we can go back and go what really matters and, and I'll step back from it. How much of this did you guys talk about beforehand? Like, did you have like a working agreement about how it was going to go or did you kind of like discover it as it went along? Well, how did we explain it to you, Elena? Cause <laughs> Alana and I had, uh, and I- and another friend, Megan O'Neill had gotten together and, and wrote one scene mm-hmm. for fun. That was great. And then Megan had to leave and do these other things. And so that was, that was it. Um, but then we got together later and we're like, Hey, that was fun. We should do a show. Who can we do it with? And we invited Elena. So I'm curious as to how it was presented to you because. Yeah. The email was like, uh, Peter's directed shows like these before. It's going to, going to be more theatrical. It's multi-character, uh, and it's going to be more like a, a comedic theatrical performance. It's going to be, you know, the length of a play was how it was described. But I, I didn't watch a Saxon Dixon show until probably like four months into the process. So the first four months was really just... I don't know. I feel like I just dove and was like, well, I get to improvise with Alana and Peter will say what he likes. And I don't know what's going to happen. I felt very um, kind of blind, just like not knowing what was happening, but trusting very much the people I was working with. Uh, so yeah, those first few months I was like, I don't know. I don't know what this is or what this is going to become, but I enjoy spending time with these people. I think like there just needs to be like this incredible comfort with not not knowing yeah, and trusting it. And I feel like that spirit kind of goes into the show itself. It's not, nothing's easy and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's nothing's precious uh, until it, until it is. It's easy or precious. There were, there were two, well, there were some things that I feel like came in and, and heavily or like influenced us sort of like on the back lines. Like one of them, 
was uh, We All Read Lock and Key by oh, Joe yeah. Hill, mm-hmm. um, which is an amazing graphic novel. Elena read it Highly first recommend and it. Yeah. passed it to me, and then I and then we threw it at Peter. Peter yeah, it. threw it at me. Yeah, and it was really. It was really inspiring. People should read it. Um, but also, this is so lame, but I I read Infinite Jest this year. Oh, God. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, but something about it, I mean, I, I really, really loved it. And I, that book is famously, like, very challenging. Things aren't spoon-fed to you. It is a puzzle that you have to put together. And um, it, it, it's with that spirit that uh, I kind of like think about this show. Um, I mean, it's not as complicated. Yeah, in, but, re- um, in retrospect, though. It actually, had a, it also had a huge influence on um, Rhonda, one of the characters in the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lock and Key, which is a graphic novel. Uh, it's, it's Stephen King's son. So that tone is, mm-hmm. is in there. And the more I think about it, the more I realize this, this show is a lot like that graphic novel in that the imagery is so full up top and everything matters. And so all the little details are are part of this larger puzzle. And like the show itself, it's just, there's a ton of content that we were just throwing out there. And then when we were tying up the show, it's just, okay, well, what do we know? What's out there? Those are the loose ends. And we have a literal key in the show. And also like the, um, uh, the spirit of sort of like, Magic and fantasy and anything can happen if you, uh, if you're imaginative, like lives yeah. in improv and then carries over to this show. Yeah. I mean, it, the, it's lock and key is also about family. It's yeah. about family and the past and how the past influences the future. Yeah. So it's creepy. Yeah. Well, congratulations on creating a wholly original and, uh, dazzling piece of theater. That's all your own. And I will say it on this podcast, you have set the bar for everybody. So the gauntlet is thrown down. The process is out there. Those of you listening to this, you know know how to do it. You know what I'll say to people, uh, is one of the most important parts of this process is three people who had the same open-ended daytime availability. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, just daytime. get yeah. together regularly yeah. and, and do stuff. And don't worry about what for. On that note, <laughs> we end every podcast episode this season with, of course, something we like to call a very serious scene improvised opposite a jar of pickles. Alana is so miserable to be doing this. Oh, oh. Wait, crying. this is a thing that's <laughs> happening now? Yeah. You have not listened to Alana the last five listen podcast, to podcast episodes. Thing. I usually right. listen. What we have here is a jar of pickles, a B&G New York Deli-style jar of pickles. I'm going to give you guys a scenario. Seven this isn't going to be as, as it's not as front-loaded as the usual scenarios. I'll give you a nice basic one. And for the next minute, I'd like to have the three of you improvise the most serious scene that you can opposite your partner, this jar of pickles. The only rule of this is when you address the jar of pickles, you have to call it by its name, which is jar of pickles. All right, friends, the three of you are throwing an intervention to this jar of pickles because of its terrible drinking problem, and it's ignoring you completely. This is your situation, a very serious scene opposite a jar of pickles. Claire, do you want to, do you want to start? Yeah, sorry, just give me a second. Sure. Um, it's hard for me as your wife to watch you do this. You, Claire, here, here you go. I'm sorry. Thank you. 
You see what you're doing, Jar of Pickles? Take take a fucking look, all right? But we said we wouldn't do... Okay, I'm sorry. It's Jason. Not it's not my turn. We said we wouldn't do this. I, no, no, the sandwiches are for later. No, don't. Get a... I'm your wife. I am your partner, and I don't feel like we're partners anymore, Jar of Pickles. I feel... And you come and go as you please. You're never... You're never here. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Get on it. And I mean, you are wasting this beautiful, she's perfect a beautiful woman. woman. It doesn't you, make sense. You know what? I'll say it. I'm going to say it. Jason, don't. I let you. Don't. I let you be with her. I stepped away. Okay. Well, all those years. No, no. I've been holding this back. I love this woman and have, oh, 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 come on. Yes. <laughs> and I step out of the way for what? So you could blow it? Okay. This isn't news to me, but it's besides the <laughs> Scene. That has been a very serious scene opposite a jar of pickles. Grant, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think this is our best very serious scene yet. Do you say that every time? I do, but this time I mean it. Uh, Sisters 3, thank you all so much for being here. When, what are the, what are the dates us. for the upcoming run of uh, shows? The next ones are November 11th and 18th at 7. The reservations are running out quick. I cannot more highly reasons. recommend getting those reservations, folks. Uh, anything else you guys want to plug before we go? Oh, boy. Trike, Saturdays at 9. The cast, Saturdays at 10.30. Ariana Grande, Thursdays at 9 p.m. Ilana Fishbein, Elena Scapettos, Peter McNerney. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you all for listening. A couple of other huge thank yous as well. First off to Grant Michael Goldberg, our engineer, to Evan Ford Barden, our producer, to Ed Herbstman, our executive producer, and all you fine people for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a positive rating on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate it. Magnetheater.com for information on classes and shows. All kinds of wonderful stuff. Once again, let's give it up for Sisters 3. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. (laughs) You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.